My name is Alex Barthet. I'm a board-certified construction lawyer. Um, this is a monthly webinar that Sunray hosts uh, with me so that we can inform the construction public that, uh, about different issues that we see as important. So today we're going to talk about how to get the most from your lawyer and reduce legal fees. So we're going to talk about today how to find the best lawyer for your case, the questions you need to ask when you interview a lawyer, what are the different ways that you can pay a lawyer, how to reduce your fees and costs in the case, uh, what should be on your and what should be on your legal bill when you um, get your bills, and just in case you need to switch lawyers in midstream, how do you do it most effectively? All right, so let's get started. How do you find the best lawyer for your case? Uh, one way to do it is is to ask people that you trust for any recommendations they have for a lawyer. This is usually the best way to do it. But even if you get a name, the next thing you should do is put their name into Google uh, just to make sure that there's nothing that you are unaware of that may be easily and publicly available. Step one, Google their name. Step two, you can use other services. One of them that's very popular is called Avvo, A-V-V-O, and they have lots of information on lawyers. Uh, including lawyer ratings. Um, understand that a lawyer that's rated a 10 may be better than a lawyer that's rated a, an 8, but at least it gives you some guidelines on how to gauge the effectiveness of the lawyer that you're hiring. There are other services out there. One of the oldest is a service called Martindale. They run lawyersplural.com, and they have different ratings. It's probably some of the most comprehensive rating that's out there. They rate their lawyers by AV, BV, and CV. Um, one of the other designations they give is called preeminent. You have to be practicing for at least 10 years to be rated. Um, and then they send a series of surveys out to other lawyers and judges in the community, and then they compile all that information and they give a rating. So that's another way to find out a little bit more about your lawyer. You should always go to the state bar where your lawyer is licensed and see if there's any disciplinary history. Make sure that they are, in fact, licensed. Uh, we had a client recently who came to us after they didn't feel very comfortable with their lawyer. We did a quick search and found out that this lawyer had previously been suspended for three years in 2007. That would have been a nice fact for the client to know in advance of hiring this prior lawyer. Does the lawyer have any board certifications in the area of practice that you need a lawyer in? So if you need an immigration lawyer, there's an immigration board certification. If you need a construction lawyer, there's a construction lawyer certification in Florida. Um, Florida has about 42 certifications. Again, it's not the, it shouldn't be the only factor, but it is, should be an additional factor you can consider because you know that someone that has been certified has the necessary experience and has been vetted by the Florida bar or any bar, and they passed the test on issues specific to the area of practice that your case involves. So next question, what, what should you ask or not ask a lawyer when you are interviewing them. 
here are a couple of questions to consider. Uh, you can ask them if they specialize in this area of law. Uh, in Florida specifically and in the major cities in Florida and in major cities across the country generally, clean enough work that, that lawyers find themselves able to specialize. You would like a lawyer that specializes in the area of law that your case is about because it means that you will not have to pay them to learn things that are important in your case. So a board certified construction lawyer that specializes in construction understands lots of the issues that are relevant to your construction case. So if a lawyer couldn't do a good job in a construction case is that they, you will have to pay them to get up to speed on those issues versus getting someone that specializes in that area. So you want to know that they specialize in that area. Um, one way to dig into this is ask them how much of their practice is devoted to that area of the law. You can ask them how many cases like yours have they personally handled. So you can get a sense of uh, over the last year, three years, five years, how many times are they handling cases similar to yours. Not that the end result will be the same, but at least they have experience handling some. Another is who will they be working with. Typically you will meet a partner at a law firm. That partner may build trust with you. You need to understand that that partner may or may not be doing some or all. If that is so, you need to know who else is going to be working on the case with that partner so that you don't engage the lawyer thinking it's him or her that's going to do all the work and then only to find out that you uh, have been unceremoniously shuffled off to a, a junior associate who's doing most of the work in the case. That is not a bad thing. The important issue for you to understand so that everyone can manage their respective expectations is if that's going to happen, who is that person? And you'd like to meet them because they're going to be dealing with you on a regular basis. How does the lawyer communicate with his or her client? Many lawyers typically handle communication via email. There are still many good lawyers that are pretty old school and they send letters or they send letters uh, via dictation that get typed up by an assistant and then scanned and emailed to you. Maybe you just need to understand how that communication is going to take place. Are they regularly available? On, are they a 9 to 5 person? And if you call them at 5.30, they're gone, and they're not going to get back to you until um, 9 in the morning the next day. Those are questions you need to ask. How often, how do they bill, and how often do they bill? We're going to talk about billing in a minute more specifically. Maybe difficult to get a lawyer to give you a for a case, and we'll talk about the different ways that you can pay you can ask them what are the estimated fees and costs for the case. They should be able to give you some rough estimates, and those estimates, of course, are based on assumptions, but at least they'll give you a, a frame of reference. Are, they, are you going to spend $5,000 in fees? Are you going to spend $105,000 in fees? You'd like to know that in advance. And while a lawyer can't answer the question or lose, you should be concerned about any lawyer that tells you definitively that you're going to win. Um, you can ask, what are the strengths and weaknesses in your case? That, that will give you, from the lawyer's perspective, of the things that help your case and those things that you have to be aware of that may sink it. Some unreasonable or unfair questions 
questions to ask. How many cases have you won? How many cases? Um, those questions are not determinative of the outcome or case. So a lawyer that says he wins a lot may win a lot because he takes easy cases. A lawyer that says that wins a lot may be that uh, she settles everything before she gets to trial. So a win-loss record by itself is a dangerous test to use of a lawyer. Let's talk about the different ways that you can pay a lawyer. Uh, obviously, the time they spend on your case, the more money to make. So you can pay hourly rates in hundreds to the many hours. Sometimes lawyers perceive that if they charge more, there is a perception that they are better. Just be aware that uh, there are many good lawyers that charge reasonable or lower rates, and many not-so-great lawyers that charge lots per hour. So the hourly rate by itself is not a barometer for the effectiveness of the lawyer. Uh, full contingency, that, that means that the lawyer gets paid only in based on the actual recovery in the case. Typically that ranges from 15 to 50%, um, but on a commercial case, such as a construction case or a collection case, it's completely negotiable. Uh, in personal injury cases, there's a rule that, that a personal injury lawyer can take on the contingent fee, but on a business case, construction or collection case, it's, it's fully negotiable. You can have a hybrid, some lower hourly rate with a percentage bonus at the end, depending on the recovery. You can have a complete flat fee. Uh, litigation as a flat fee is, is, is hard to, to do. There's not many lawyers that, that do that because litigation is unpredictable, but there are many lawyers that will do certain things on a flat fee. So you may want, you may have a contract that needs to be negotiated uh, or drafted. See if you can get that at a flat fee so that you can cap your costs. The other thing that you can do is you can have flat fees by task. So maybe uh, there are certain segments of the case, uh, demand letter, filing the complaint, serving discovery, all of those items, maybe you can negotiate already has a flat fee for each of those tasks so that you don't have to wonder about how much time is going to be spent uh, and how much you're going to get billed. Let's take a minute and talk about retainers. Many lawyers require a retainer in advance. That's money that is given to the lawyer in advance of, of the case. Know that most lawyer retainer to be roughly a month to two months worth of work that they, they expect to do. So if you come to a lawyer with a really, really big case with lots of work that has to get done, you should expect that the retainer will be higher than a smaller case. Um, one of the things you want to make sure about retainers is that, that you limit or eliminate how is earned and non-refundable. They come to a lawyer and he may say, I need a $5,000 retainer. Um, if there are three hours of work later to get back the unused portion of the retainer. So be aware that that as well is negotiable. So let's talk about how do you reduce your fees and costs in the case. One way is to have a 
entire case estimate or budget. Difficult to do, very unwieldy, don't accurately predict the end, the final cost of a case. So while you can ask for it, and your lawyer should be able to prepare one for you, just know that it probably will have lots of assumptions and exclusions. There are so many things that, that may happen in a case. One of the things that you can do is, as you communicate with your lawyer, try to get mini budgets, mini estimates based on the task. So if you talk to your lawyer and the lawyer says, the next thing we should do is take the deposition of the defendant, that would be a good opportunity to ask, well, what do you expect that that will cost? Um, and then the lawyer will run some simple calculations. I need to prepare. I need to gather the records. We'll take the deposition, which should be for this person half a day. I think it'll cost X. It'll do two things. Number one, it'll give you a sense of some upcoming costs. And number two, it makes the lawyer aware that you are watching the cost in the case. And they are more like they, the lawyer, are more likely to make sure that they don't exceed the budget that they gave you uh, because they've given you now a specific number that you are expecting to see. So one of the ways to reduce your fees is as the work is being done and as you communicate with your client, ask them occasionally about how much they expect to spend uh, for certain upcoming tasks. Your case strategy has a lot to do with how much your fees can be reduced. If your case strategy is we need to settle early, the budget for that case is going to be very different than if your case strategy is we're going to trial and I need a judge to tell me that I'm right or wrong. You should have <clears throat> an understanding of the strategy you wish to employ early on because that strategy is going to dictate the work that gets done and your lawyer, once he or she knows that strategy, can perform the tasks that best try to achieve the goal that you have. <coughs> Switching strategies in a case <coughs> excuse me, is very expensive, so try to identify a strategy and stick with it to the extent you can. Anything you can organize in advance is a good thing. If you give your lawyer five boxes of documents that don't make any sense, well, they have to go through it, and that's going to cost you money. So if you can put together the information in an organized fashion, that will save you money. That, that will save you a lot of money. Respond quickly. When your lawyer has to set depositions, set hearing dates, respond to discovery, set up mediation, set up trials, all of those things that your lawyer has to do to the extent that you can respond to the lawyer promptly with the answers that he or she is looking for, that will save you money. Because if not, what you will end up doing is you'll end up having the lawyer call you, send you an email, and then that continual follow-up is going to, you, you will see on the bills as they try to get you to do the things that they need to keep your case moving quickly. Sometimes clients want updates on their case, obviously not an unreasonable thing. If you ask your lawyer to give you an update, they will likely bill you for that update. One way to minimize that is if you ask to be copied on everything, including the correspondence to the court and to the opposing counsel, then as things happen in your case, you will see them and you are less likely to need an update.
because you are getting updated as the work gets done. So that's one way that you can reduce your fees. Let's talk about what should be on your legal bill. This is, of course, assuming that you are being billed hourly for the time of your lawyer. For every time entry, there should be the date that the time entry was rendered. Ideally, the person that rendered that time entry, the hours that were spent, and surprisingly to me, many clients, uh, when I give this presentation, are surprised that I tell them it should be in 10 of an hour, 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.5, 0 0.9, 2.4. That is the minimum increment, uh, and I'm suggesting should be the maximum increment that your lawyer bills at versus in quarter or half hours, right? So if your lawyer receives an email that's four lines and responds in three lines, if the minimum increment that you've agreed to in the engagement is quarter hours, well, what took five minutes, you're getting billed a quarter hour for. So I would suggest to you that you have your lawyers bill you by the tenth of an hour. And then they should also include a description of the work that was performed uh, for that time and that person. And then obviously at the end, uh, a total. Some of the other things that you can ask for, uh, because most billing systems are very sophisticated, are totals for the life of the case, totals by attorney performing work on the case. Uh, so you can see that on, on all the bills if that's something that you want. So let's talk about how to change lawyers in midstream. The easiest way to do that, once you make up your mind that the attorney that you have is not the one that you want to continue with, is to understand, do you have everything that you need in order to move the case to another lawyer? So the easiest way to do that is if you have copies of everything. So you should try to keep copies of everything. If there are original documents that you have when you see a lawyer, you should give either the lawyer copies or if you give them the originals, ask them to make copies and give you back the originals. And the reason this is important is because lawyers have the right, if they are not paid, they can file what's called the retain lien and a charging lien. A retaining lien is a lien that they, they can assert over everything they have of, of your until they've been paid. So here, a box of original documents to pay their fee. If you settle a case and there's money, then they, they can use that to pay their fee. 